Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 372 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Megan, it's real early for me. Yes, it is. We are <laughs> recording this session. We are having like a marathon recording week because we both have trips back to back. Yeah. Um, so we're getting way ahead and it is very, very early for you. Um, now, to tie that into the episode topic today, <laughs> imagine that you had a nursing baby that you had to fit into that morning. How I, would that have looked? I literally just got a little panicky feeling. <laughs> Although here's something funny, Megan, I'll tell a real story behind the scenes this morning. We're recording this uh, later in June, last week of June. Um, I was leaving my house at 540 in the morning to drive to my parents' house, which is a couple of miles away because my own home internet has been real funky lately and that affects our recording. And my kids were going to be home alone for like an hour. Brian goes to the gym early and my kids are 14, 12 and nine. And we left, we told them last night and we left them a note that no one would be home for like an hour, but I'm just down the road and they, they can stay home alone. Now the older two will sleep. And as I was leaving my car was, I was like turning my car on in the driveway and I ran back in to grab something and Violet who's nine comes tearing out of her room, sobbing. She had had a bad dream. She had woken up and nobody was home, which actually as a mom, that's one of my like anxiety triggers is that a kid will need me and I won't be there or a kid will not know where anybody is. And that it almost brings up that feeling of having a baby crying and no one responding to it. It's like real. It makes me like my skin crawl. So I guess that little story goes to show like we're done. I'm very done having babies, but I had an early morning encounter with a um like a being who needed me and so right. the mothering never stops and even at nine maybe she'd be embarrassed for me to tell that story but she was truly she had had a bad dream she was truly in tears and she thought no one was in the house which it was about to be true so I was really glad that I was still there 
Did you ever have an experience like that as a kid? I did once where I went to a friend's house and tried to like um, manipulate myself into an invitation to their pool. Uh, kind of reminds me of another yeah, episode that we that just story. recorded yeah. um, and it didn't work out in my favor, but I had told my mom that I was invited. It was like a whole, it was kind of like an elaborate scheme okay. that spectacularly backfired because I told my mom I was invited. She was very doubtful. She's like, are you sure? And I said, yeah, oh yeah. They invited me. So I put my swimsuit on and I went over there and she went grocery shopping thinking she had two hours or whatever. And I got to my friend's house and basically was just met with this, like, no, we're not going in the pool right now. And even if we were, you're not invited. And so I kind of hung around awkwardly for 10 or 15 minutes and then walked home anyway. So I was probably gone a total of 20 minutes. And when I got home, the house was empty Yeah, and I flipped out. I was yeah. probably six. Yeah. Um, and I may at that point have even been briefly alone in the house, just not really. It was very different. Like the feeling of going away, being disappointed. Yes. You probably and felt kind like you of rejected. Your mom. Yeah. And then coming home to find that my mom wasn't there after I'd lied, kind of lied to her. Yeah. I, like it was a very bad feeling. And I, I kind of, I flipped out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know if I, and that story we're referring to was a more than mom a couple week and a half ago. I don't know. Our podcast timeline is all messed up, but I told a story about manipulating myself into a swim invite. Um, and we talked about ourselves as kids. I don't know if I, that ever happened to me, but since I have become a mom, I feel like extra what it prickly is. Is that the term mm-hmm. you like? It gives me the pricklies to think of a kid actively wanting their mom and no and not mom being able there. Not, Even yeah. like if, if you like paint the scenario with like a baby animal or something or like a yeah. video of an animal, I just it's like I know I think probably. I'm not alone in this. It's an obvious this is a like, universal. It yes, is. this is a universal I do feeling. Sometimes yeah. feel like I have like I have extra pricklies about it. And so I'm really glad I caught my own kid. Otherwise, two like 30 seconds later, she would have had that bad dream, been in tears and not mm-hmm. been able to find an adult in the house mm-hmm. and two sleeping siblings, which would have been sad. This was a big detour. We like it was, but that's okay. We're setting up the topic here. It's summer. It's, it's summer. We can do what we want, we've right? Recording, we've recorded like 11 episodes in the last that's three days, ridiculous. I feel like. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about what we're actually talking about today. And that is um, one of our very first episodes was about whether or not, or like how you know mm-hmm. you are done having babies. Um, and at that point, I had actually had a hysterectomy. So I was done. No doubt about it. I was done. You knew you were done, but like, but there was still, it was still in discussion. We both had young families and little kids. There was still the possibility. Yes. There was absolutely the biological possibility for me. I was only 35. So that was seven Mm -hmm. years ago. So I was 35 and my third and final was two. So just on paper, I would have looked like someone who easily could have kept going. Well, and what we're going to do today, because now it has been seven plus years since we recorded that original episode about how we felt about being done when we were early done, you know, yeah. Um, now we're kind of given the the long view because yeah. now all those babies are big and um, our families look the way we knew they eventually would when we would say things like, you know, your family's going to keep growing and in a while you're going to have teenagers. Now we're there. So I'm excited to talk about like what it looks like on this side now that I no longer have any. Any right. kind of hangups about being completely done. Totally. And before we go to break, let me quickly remind people that we are taking listener questions for an upcoming listener questions uh, series of episodes. So if you would like to send in a question, it can be about adding another baby to your family if you wish. I mean, we we always get them. Um, you can email your questions to hello at the We love when you record your voice and we can hear your voice, but you don't have to. You can type it. 
mm-hmm. on the old computer and send it in. Put listener questions in the subject line and we will be recording those episodes soon. So send them in. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah, so let's set the stage. One of the things I think we've talked about multiple times on the show is that when you're kind of making that decision about whether you want to have another baby or not, it's helpful not to just think about what that entails for the next, you know, intense two years of your life, although that is definitely a factor. Yeah. Um, But that's not where it ends. Really, what you're what you're doing, the decision you're making isn't about the sleepless nights and the diapers again. It's really like what your family is going to look like in five years, 10 years, 15 years, so 35 years. So like who's going to be at the dinner table? So we've used that um, metaphor kind of a lot. And so I would love to just open up by talking about our current dinner tables. Mm -hmm. Do like, how do we feel about it? Do we feel like there's anyone missing? I'm going to assume we're happy with everyone who's there. Yeah. (laughs) They're not going (laughs) to kick anybody out. Like, eh, you know what? Never mind. You can go. But let's just talk about that. And I'll just quickly describe mine. And I'm going to be really like, I'm going to say holiday because now I've got kids coming and going yeah. and you know, I don't have that They're many people at my dinner table. Night. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I've got a 24, a 22, an 18, a 16 and a 13 year old. Those are going to be the people who would be at my dinner table. 
Um, it is loud, hilarious, boisterous, overwhelming. Um, Eric has had dinner with my family multiple times now. He's got two kids, and I just get the sense that they're just a more sedate group <laughs> when they're together, which isn't to say they don't have fun conversations and laugh and stuff. It's just that there's only three of them, and there's, you know, if you add him to our mix, there's seven of us, right? And I'll just look at his face sometimes and like he doesn't know where to look because so much everyone is talking all at once and they're all riffing off of each other. And they're, it's like the whole thing is one big private joke, like constant, constant, constant. I will find myself doing the thing I used to do when they were really little. And I'm like looking at a space above their heads because I'm not really there right. all the time. I'm there enjoying, I'm like soaking it up, but I'm not as quick as they are. Like I, I don't even want to be what in the world that they're in. I'm just like observing it. So I love it. I find it overwhelming and exhausting, but it's kind of exactly what I think I thought life with a big boisterous family might look like back when I was like having my fifth. So I'm very pleased with it. Yeah. And I think it freaks people out sometimes. So what about you? I, first of all, I love that. It, I have a huge grin on my face and, um, you like, uh, uh, you facilitated that. Like you played a part in creating and nurturing and fostering that crazy pile of children, which I think mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, I will describe mine. I first want to point out that seven years ago, and I have a reason for pointing this out, but seven years ago when you Im imagined your future table full, you probably didn't know you'd be divorced and oh, partnered yeah. no. with someone mm -hmm. else with kids of a same age, a blended family you didn't know you would have gone through a global pandemic and moved houses three times. Like, so I, I also want to like add to this idea of a future table that neither of us could have predicted some of the turns that yeah. our family life yeah. has taken. And if you're listening to this and grieving a future table that you don't think is going to be what you hoped, I guess what I would offer is none of us really truly know. So we're using right. that construct um, but also like your table may take a, a, like a quick turn that turn. you don't expect. And often, <laughs> yeah. often as I am trying to learn those unexpected turns can also be really beautiful in their own way. Yeah. So, yeah. so just, you're right. I, yeah. yeah. I would have, I would have imagined, well, first of all, I would imagine, I would have imagined that I was still partnered with the person that I was married to right. at the time. And that would have been a very different table than it is now. Now it's often me as sort of like the one voice of reason in the room. <laughs> like I'm so outnumbered. I was always outnumbered, but now I'm so outnumbered. And I'm just going to add another little thing. When you, when you do go through a divorce, um, as wonderful as the person I'm with is, he's not the sire to this particular group sure. of kids. So he doesn't get like, no, we, there's no way to understand um, someone else's family the way you understand your own. Right. And so sometimes I do miss having my ex around, not because I still want to be married to him, but because I'm like, he'd be the only person yeah. who could like kind of give me the side eye about these, yes. this crazy bunch of people that we created. And it's like not having that feels, it, it is still a loss even five years later, even though I'm glad to have moved on from that actual marriage. So it's just right. like, it's very complicated, right? Very complicated. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, our family table right now, um, is 14 kids are 14, 12 and nine and a half. Um, same partner, same marriage. 
Um, so there are five of us around the table. Uh, I'm increasingly aware of the lar- the physical largeness of the older <laughs> two kids. Like just how much more space everyone takes up. I actually need new chairs around our kitchen table because I bought these secondhand so cheap. Like literally six chairs for $60 or something. I love it. We moved into this house. And they're disposable. They're like they, they're yeah. like paper chairs. <laughs> yeah, and they've lasted two years, and it, they're just kind of rickety. So I feel like right now I am I am aware of the actual like space we take up as a five some, which is kind of cool because the older two kids are I you would just call them they're adult sized people. I mean, the twelve year old's going to grow a lot more, but he's like the size he's about my size. He's like the size of a small adult. Um, so that's something that comes to mind right away is when you are, have a bunch of littles, it's like two large people. And then these tiny, Mm. like tiny humans. And all of a sudden now our fivesome is a lot closer to looking like, like a table full of full size people. And voices change. Like the, my table, all four of the boys now to talk in a deep baritone, like they all sound like fully grown men. And that's a new, that's pretty new. Owen didn't have that voice, you know, last year. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. No, that's so true. Um, when you eat out at a restaurant, if this is a restaurant table, I can tell you there are there's only one kid menu person at my table and um, the other two eat like full grown adults. Um, so Reed never tries to fly under the kid. He doesn't Clara want goes to. back and forth. Yeah. He's 12 and he um, and he looks 12. It's not like he looks super old. So they would let him. Most restaurants would allow him. Yeah. He has a crazy big appetite and he's like actually one of the more adventurous eaters so he just isn't a kid who he's wants not for the chicken strips and no. fries Mm-mm. it's funny because clara and even sometimes owen will see if they can like yeah still sneak because they're trying to be economical and they really just want what they want yes. i mean it's not like i didn't go in like you can only spend 7.99 on your meal but it's like they'll go but look mom i could have the same meal yeah <laughs> if they let me order off the kids menu so sometimes they try but well, it's less and less now. Yeah. And um, I would love I, I would eat chicken strips like myself and fries. But um, yeah, he no, he's like a cheeseburger guy and wants like the the everything on it. Everything, yeah. yeah. Um, so our table is I think something I'm noticing more recently is how much the kids like each other, like how mm. how they have very different interests. They're at very different stages of life, but they really um they know each other so well. And I'm sure you would say the same about your crew, but like, there's nothing more heartwarming than witnessing these people who are not you have relationships with each other. Um, and I don't even think I liked my siblings like that when I was that age, to be honest, we did that episode a couple Sundays ago about what we were like as kids and teens. And I think I was a little more self interested. And one of my siblings was so much younger yeah. But my crew, the way we came through a pandemic together and a move together, they know each other very intimately. They know each other's quirks and little things. They look out for each other. They're they're not always nice to each other. Of course, right. they're siblings. But that intimacy of how well you know somebody and then the fact that it's not me, like it's them right. in like knowing having that relationship with each other. Um, it's different than a friendship. It's different than, of course, like a, a partnership or a romantic relationship. It is its own type of bond. And especially my older two could not have more different personalities. They're so different. And yet they it's the no it's it's that feeling of being known and seen mm-hmm. that's really hard to manufacture outside of of an I guess a family unit. It's possible, but but difficult. And that is just yeah. magical. 
I love that. I love hearing about that. And I was just like, I was going to ask the question if the way you're seeing your kids grow into adults or, you know, young adults, teenagers, and then adults together, is it like you thought it would be? Is it different from what you thought? And I guess I'll just say one thing that I've, I've been watching slowly happen um, is how kind of irrelevant I'm becoming. Mm. And I like that. And I don't mean irrelevant like they don't need me. They do. And I'm still part of the family. But they have such a strong family identity mm. that them as a sibling unit has sort of taken on a life of its own yeah. where I don't really need to play that direct of a role. I'm sort of like, I'm in the kitchen happily cleaning up dishes. They're all hanging out in the dining room, plotting and planning. And they have their whole own thing going on that has really nothing to do with me. And that reminds me a lot of the way I was with my, my four or three older siblings, um, probably starting in my teen years, you know, when I started to become like kind of relevant to them in a different way than I was when I was just the little sister, like the little, little sister, I'm 10 years younger than my, than my oldest sister. Um, but when I was like actually seen as like a sidekick, like a valuable person to have at the table, not a member of the band. Yes. A member of the band. Like I remember that feeling and it was probably when I was around 14, 13, 14 was when that's really started to, when I started to feel it and I, and I, then we became our own thing and we still are, we still have a very strong family bond. So I just, I love watching that play out with my kids and I don't, I think I didn't know what to think they might turn into, but now that I see it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of what I hoped for. Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer that two ways. One, I was not very good at imagining it at all. And this goes all the way back to when I decided how many babies that I hoped to have and, you know, like hope to get pregnant again. I really like, I had a lot of trouble actually imagining our family five and 10 and 20 years down the road. I know that's like, that's the image we've said to use, but I am sometimes not a very good visionary of that kind of thing. So I'm not sure I did spend much time thinking about what this stage of life would be like. And if I did, it was probably a little bit more about like my own, maybe my career or my own like personal growth, but less about, I I didn't have a lot of friends with kids who are older than mine. So I didn't have a lot of other families to be like, Oh, look at that family with a nine, 12 and 14 year old. That'll be us someday. Like I just, I just didn't think about it. So that, I guess the good news is now I'm here and it's pretty great. Um, the other thing I'll say is you've been listening closely to the podcast. Like, you know, there are twists my family has taken that I would not have pictured or not expected in terms of what the like what the siblings look like and, you know, who's wearing what clothes and going by what name and all of that. So again, back to the point of like, we can cast a vision and then I think we have to also leave room for the unexpected. So yes. Does it look like what I thought? No, but I also didn't think very hard about it and it's pretty good anyway. Well, and I'm guessing just knowing your personality that if you did think about it, it would probably be in um, more vague, like this is what a TV family of three older kids would look like or something. You know what I mean? Like a, like a model that you could, you'd be like, oh, right. That's what that looks like. So we'll probably look something like that, you know, with its own. So I think that that's, that it seems very on par for your um, personality. And I will also say for me, we've had lots of twists and turns along the way too. And there have been dynamics and and events and things that have happened with my older kids that were completely unexpected um, and that have changed our family forever. 
I think at the end of the day, I'm still really happy with the group dynamic, but uh-huh. the individual dynamics have been challenging and unexpected at yeah. times. And that's, that's life. I also want to say really quickly that if you're in a position right now listening to this where you could kind of go either way, like maybe you're maybe you have three and you're thinking perhaps you would like a fourth. Maybe not. You're not sure you're on the fence. I can also back. It's really hard to imagine any one of my kids not being at the table. But if I think hard enough about it, I can still kind of imagine. And I've had experience with that now because of them coming and going. I've had plenty of times where I have three kids at the table or four. It's not always the same. It's not always the same kids. Um, so I, I just want to say that like, like, I hope that you can move past mourning the family you don't end up with, because I know that's like a trap. I could also have a sixth kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, that would look totally different and it would be awesome in some different ways, but it's okay that that's not what I have. Okay, Sarah. So we've spent a few minutes talking about what our lives actually look like now, seven years after we did that episode about being done having babies. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, Sarah. So I'm really curious if you ever imagine what your life would be like right now if you'd had another baby. And I, I'm talking especially 
really recently, um, like in the last, say, like one to three years. I just saw my friend Liz the other day. I have not seen much of her in the last six months. She did have her fourth baby. Um, she was now six months old, but that means that she, I think she said by the time the baby graduates high school, her oldest will be 32 or something like that. And yeah. so her describing that, that stretch of kids was just like, Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And my, I mean, my spread wasn't that much smaller. I, my spread was 11 years and I think hers is like 16 years, wow. uh, 17 maybe. Um, but she's also 40. So yeah. it's like, it's a very different, it's just a very different thing. So I'm really curious if you ever think about what that would look like for you. Yeah, I have, I, I have thought about it several times. I think it's often brought about if, like you said, if a friend or someone around me has a later in life pregnancy, a surprise pregnancy, maybe, or maybe not. Um, and I think as my youngest has gotten older, I just do the math and I just think, oh my gosh, what would that be like to have, you know, three kids fairly closely spaced and then like an, a caboose or an oops, mm -hmm. or what would that be like? How old would I be? How old would the kids be? Um, so I guess, yes, I play it out hypothetically, probably pretty often. Um, and what it feels like is it feels maybe akin to being like, what would my life be like if we lived in London or yes, yes I love I it. went to law school and was a full-time attorney. It's like, Oh, what other life that like would be completely another other life. life. Yeah, yeah. And it, I yeah. would say it, it's not like a terrible thought or um, a wistful, amazing like thought that makes me want to go to there. It's neither. It's neutral and and just it's just other. It's not. Well, it's so outside of what actually is or mm -hmm. will be that it's like for it's yeah. It's like trying on a completely sliding doors style. Yes, and yeah. and usually when I think about it, it's 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 rather it's like not really a fantasy. It's a rather perfunctory math equation in my mind. Like oh, how old would I yeah. be then? And like like you said with Liz's kids, like how old would the oldest be when the youngest? It's like a it's a math problem that I'm like oh no, that's not for me. It's funny, Eric, um, and I both have had, you know, lots of conversations about how we just kind of feel wistful about the little kid years. Um, and we both had, you know, a divorce, which kind of makes you a little distracted for a while, like the yeah. lead up to it and then the aftermath of it and how we kind of feel like there's just some things that it's not as easy to like remember because life was so chaotic yeah. for a short period for both of us. And so every now and then we'll be, you know, sitting outside someplace and we'll look over and see it a chubby little toddler and I'll go, Oh, let's have a baby. And it's just so funny. It's like, <laughs> Hey, I don't have any equipment to have a baby. <laughs> and we're both old. I mean, it's not like on so many levels. I actually went one time through the gymnastics of like, what would have to happen <laughs> for me to have a biological offspring right now? And I mean, like it would, it would involve, first of all, who knows if I have like any unscrambled eggs left and like, you know, surrogate, all this stuff. It was so, it was like a mental exercise in in absolute ridiculousness, sure. but I still went through it just because I was like, Ooh, what would that be like? And I have, I do pretty often still have dreams that I'm pregnant, but, um, or that one of my kids is a baby again, but like yeah. all the rest of them are still the same age they are now. And it's not even always Clara. Sometimes it's like one of the other kids is a baby. So anyway, babies are never completely off my mind or super far away from my mind, but we'll do that. And then we both have a moment where we're like, Oh, wouldn't that be nice? And then we're like, no, cause you know what? We've got chickens and we go on a lot of trips Yeah, 
And he's very pragmatic. He's like, well, I mean, what about all the traveling we want to do? I was like, honey, I'm not being serious. <laughs> like, I can't actually have a baby. But he's right like now. me, like, like yes. hypothetical situations. <laughs> yeah. There's a line from, what is it? Well, 30 and Rock. It makes, yes. And it makes them uncomfortable. Yes. There's a yes. funny line from 30 Rock where Kenneth says hypothetical situations are like lying to your brain. And Brian like, oh my gosh. I, I am like really bad at hypothetical situations. Yeah. And sometimes they make me kind of mad or like weirdly like antagonistic. So anyway, I, oh, I, that's the, cause I sometimes get this feeling from him too, where I'm like, I'm not actually suggesting, well, first of all, it's off the table, but I'm not, I'm just saying it like a fantasy, like, Oh, let's just yeah. both, you know, let's both be a little fantastical and wistful for a oh, minute about having that. a baby. He can't, he can't. no, no. He's like, well, <laughs> let's think about this. If we were to have a baby right now, how would we go on, on trips? And I'm like, I just, okay. So anyway, it's pretty funny. He is me, but I is him. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yes, but same thing. Like I think about it. I think a lot about the age thing. Um, I just interviewed for mother of reinvention, a woman who had, um, surprised toddlers when she was 42 or sorry, surprised toddlers. I keep saying that. (laughs) Nope. That would be, that would be a real big surprise. Sorry. She had surprised twins who are now toddlers. So she's 45 and has toddler twins. Um, and, and I think her older kid was like eight at the time. So she had gone through fertility treatment, didn't think it was going to take. And then it was like, Hey, guess what? You was having a couple of new babies. And I just think, man, like what would even getting up in the middle of the night be like on my body? And, and like, how would that feel now compared to how it felt the last time I did it 13 years ago? I, it's really hard to say. And moms do it all the time. There's plenty of women our ages, um, just starting their families. It's just hard to imagine. Let me jump in on the 40 something and also on fertility real quick. And I I probably should have said this like sooner than 30 minutes into the episode. But like there's a huge assumption about whether you can even choose to have right. another baby. And we both know that. And we have touched on that in the best ways we can over the years, not having gone through infertility ourselves. And we have a couple of interviews that we have done and stuff. But I definitely have some friends whose family started quite a bit later because of fertility issues or because of the way Mm -hmm. their relationships evolved, where like pregnant at 42 was the best freaking thing that had ever happened to them because it had been so long awaited and hoped for. So we also know that that's a reality for a, a huge number of people. It doesn't change the biological, like physiological fact that it's a lot different to be pregnant at 38, 39, 42 than 20 or 30. Well, and if you, if you got pregnant for the first time at 42, you would never know what it would have been like right. to do it for the first time at 22, you know, right. just like I'll never know in the opposite. And I just wonder like, how would my body feel compared to the experience I had. Right. But you're right. If it had been, that was like the hoped for wish for thing, obviously it'd be thrilling. It's right. just funny to think about how different it probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder another thing that we've talked about over the years is how maybe people of our parents' generation, so older than us, but even maybe, maybe even like going like 10 to 15 years older than we are. Okay can sort of start to have a disconnect. And you hear about this a lot um, in our mom community on Facebook and things like that, where like grandma and grandpa kind of think they remember what it was like to be a new parent, but they kind of just don't. And so there's some magical thinking. There's some skewed memories about the way that stage went for them or maybe how disciplinarian they were or Mm -hmm. how they fed their babies, all those things. And we're all doomed. (laughs) 
we're yes. all doomed to end up like that. Do you ever feel like you're there already? Um, I think our listener community keeps me more young, not young. You guys aren't doing a good job of keeping me young at all, but keeping me <laughs> try uh, harder on the up and up. I do think yeah. if we work in the space that we work in, I at least have a peripheral awareness of what's going on in, I don't know, baby food and car seats and nap right. schedules. If I did, if I didn't, I would be rapidly losing touch. I have nieces and nephews who all live very far away. So I see them best case every six months or something. Um, and I was just with my sister who had her third. And so she has a baby and a toddler and preschooler. And yeah, I mean, I, I still can rock a baby. I still can burp a baby and all of that. But I would never presume that what I remember about things like sleep cues or like how to know when somebody's ready for potty training or like how to, you know, answer a preschooler's question about something. I just would never presume to be any good at that anymore. I just think you it's such a specialized set of skills that you hone yourself in your little bubble when you're in it. And then it's almost like, I do think the skills disappear. What do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. I was just thinking how, I mean, we did like the muscle memory of motherhood episode not too long ago. There are parts of that that I still feel in my bones. I can still feel that feeling of laying a baby down in the crib and slowly removing your hands. And, but that doesn't, but I think if it was me trying to do it today, I'd still bungle it. You'd be rusty. (laughs) It would, I'd be rusty and it wouldn't be. And also whoever this baby, this mystical, mythical baby would be that I'd be laying down in a crib wouldn't be my baby that I had 13 years ago right. that I was laying down in a crib. It would be this other baby that I didn't know yet. You know what I mean? So if you just took me right now and planted me in the day of a life of a mom of a bunch of little kids, yeah. I would, I would bungle it. I'd yes. be bungling it all day long. It's not that the basic skills and memory aren't there. It's like, it's piecing it all together. It's like all the different things you have to juggle as a mom when you're when like you've said those specialized skills and that it's all like one big thing, like one big soup that you're in. Um, And yeah, I don't necessarily think I would be amazing at it. And I do sometimes wonder if my memories about that time are now just kind of wrapped up in gauzy, you know, nostalgia, maybe not as accurate, maybe some sleep deprivation um, possibly altered them. And also the body's biological urge to keep procreating probably makes you just have softer memories yeah. about things. And it's not a hundred percent accurate even a month later, let alone a decade. So, well, I, yeah. I also think there's a fitness level, obviously like to that, like if for some reason you decided to help out a friend with a new baby and three days a week, you were going to, um, uh, pr- like provide childcare for Liz's six month old. I'm not saying you would ever do that. You would, I know, right? Is that oh, going to be a boy. little, oh, yeah. Um, a panic attack. <laughs> you would feel totally fish out of water at yeah. first, and you would both remember the muscle memory and some of your own skills would come back. But then also, you would build new neural pathways based yeah. on 2022, like feeding guidelines and what Liz's baby's routine was. So like, it's not that it disappears forever. And I, I love seeing different grandparent roles in different yeah. people that I know where I mean, my parents were really hands-on and involved. They also traveled a lot and never provided like regular child Ongoing care. Child so they have yeah. great relationships with 
my kids, but I can think of some other families where grandma or grandpa is truly yeah, is like in it. Granny and, nanny. Yeah. Gran- yeah. And then they really, I mean, they learn the cues and they mm-hmm. like, no, they, they have- do it their own way. Right. And maybe that's just a different, there's I'm sure a difference in yeah. the way um, someone who's older and, and not mom um, yeah. or not dad is caring for a baby. It's still not, it's not an incorrect way. Right. And I think that's some of the beauty of those like extended family relationships that sometimes just play out that way. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I do not think I would be anything like the mom that I was no. because I don't think I can be her again. Yeah. Like I'm different now. Yeah. So, and some of those skills are just lost to, to a hazy, lovely time of my life that, you know, it's okay that I'm not going back to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sarah, I'm wondering if you ever, you know, I know you said you were emotionally done at three. Um, I was emotionally done at five, but did you, do you ever feel a twinge now? Do you ever wonder like what life would be like or some little part of you wish so that you'd had another one? Here's how it manifests in me. And I, I think this is really interesting and this has been, I mean, I've been done, done emotionally done for I mean, nine years. I knew, I knew when I had my third, even in my last pregnancy, I just really felt done. You can go back and listen to that super old episode. I talk about it. And I also acknowledge not everybody's that way. A lot of people really feel a lot more nuance in their feelings. And I'm not sure why it felt so clear to me, but it did. And so nine years into feeling very done, this, this dynamic has been consistent the whole time. And what it looks like for me is not wishing for another baby. But it will crop up as kind of an unflattering jealousy or envy. I know those are different and I never really use the right one. Um, I'm not. It's not jealousy. It's envy of a mom who's like expecting her fourth or maybe just had a fourth and has a full family of four kids. And I don't it doesn't usually happen if someone's like five or six or seven. I'm like, well, that probably wouldn't have been me. But. When someone is expecting their fourth, I get this reaction that looks like, and this is not very flattering, it looks like, well, I could have done that. I could do that if I wanted to, which is really right. like, it's kind of a gross, it's, it's well, not, it's not even envy. It's almost more like proving, like you have something to prove yes. maybe or yeah. And I think ego, it's, it's kind of ego, right? Totally ego. Yeah. Totally ego. And that's why it's not very flattering, but I'm saying it out loud anyway. And often it's because I think I got a lot of positive attention in having three, having three, not super close together, but decently close together and managing it pretty well. And, and I, that was a big part of my identity is like, wow, okay. Another one, like you're, you know, you got your hands full, all those comments that you get that I think are depending on how you receive those and what your life is like. For me, it was mostly a positive. I felt, yes, I felt tired and overwhelmed and busy, but I, it, was a big part of my identity that I was doing this thing as a mom of three. So then to see friends and I have a couple of close friends who did the next thing and had four, I felt like they got that recognition even more, which they mm. deserve because they really did like go and have one more. And I had one really close mom friend from my Arizona group when our first three kids were the exact same age. I mean, within weeks each time. And, um, and she had a fourth and it was, not that I wanted a fourth. It was almost like I wanted to be as you wanted to be the person who had a fourth. Yeah, yes. isn't that gross? Yeah, I mean, athlete. I'm just well, I'm just airing my ego. That's what the show is for. It's for us to <laughs> it's for us to embarrass ourselves and air our dirty laundry. But yeah, I mean, I get it. There is a little bit of a boost that comes from 
being that accomplished mom, you know, out there doing it. And I got the same kind of attention for a long time. It's kind of weird now that when I'm out with my kids, um, they're so old (laughs) and people don't even necessarily realize they're my kids. Like, and when they do, I love it. Like I love when people connect the dots and realize that this towering group of men all, you know, are my offspring and like kind of piece it together. And there's often very nice reactions and people just love it. But some, it's not obvious anymore. I'm not, you know, I don't have like a bunch of little ducklings follow me, right. you know, following me down point. the sidewalk. And it's just a very different dynamic. So I do remember the kind of that, that little ego boost and it did feel good. Can I I'm just validating you. My third child yeah. <laughs> and those who, I mean, she was two when this podcast started. So you've, if you've been following along, um, if I had ever been on the fence, having the child I had third was such a gift to make it really very clear to me at every developmental stage that I just didn't have bandwidth for a fourth. Now, had a surprise fourth arrived, of course, we would have made room. But um, my third is like a third and fourth child in one, just in terms of everything, like energy needs um, all the things. And so I felt like I had the fullness, the busyness and the challenge um, with that third. And that was a good reminder that even though I might have wanted that um, that badge of honor of being a mom of like a truly larger family, I had the kids who filled me to the capacity at which I think I kind of tapped out again, like the huge caveat, obviously, like you would have found it, you would have figured out a way, but I felt full in all the ways. Well, it's funny that you say that because for me, Clara, things really could have gone down many paths. Yeah. The fifth. Um, but she was like this little gift from the heavens of an easy baby who was an easy toddler, who was an easy elementary school kid, yeah. like compliant, um, easygoing, sweet, not really a very hard baby, yeah. slept well. I mean, just like all the things. Um, and I do remember thinking like, man, I lucked out, like this could have gone all kinds of ways. And I had hard babies. I know what that's like. Um, and hard toddlers and hard preschoolers and and so on and so forth. But it just felt like, okay, this was, um, God's way of saying like, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, oh my gosh, it's a phrase like get out while you're ahead. Yes. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just call it, Megan. Right. Call it. Okay. I'm not doing this again for you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So do you ever have like, because you really identified as a large family mom and got to have that badge of honor and you look so young, you started young and you look so young that it's, it's always fun to see people's faces when you say like, Oh, I have a 24, 22, people's like jaws are on the ground because you look 35. Um, but did, we've run with some large family bloggers and, you know, yeah. writers and people in our day. Did you ever feel that kind of like gross competition? Like when you're with the moms of like six or eight kids, you know, maybe back when, when I was really in it. Yeah. I do remember thinking like, well, I've got five, but I could have another, you yeah. know, <laughs> I could, I could, like you said, I could do that. Or like, what would, or what would my life look like if I were to do that? Um, to, to answer the question more truthfully for myself, which was, kind of like, do we have regrets or do we have wishes or do we have twinges? You know, for me, it's a little bit less about that. That might've been true for me 15 years ago, thinking I would want to go bigger and bigger and bigger to see how many kids I could cram into a house. (laughs) Um, But now when I have those moments, those little twinges, the moments where I look at Eric and say, let's have a baby. I think what I really kind of want is a do-over. And I mean, having five kids is 
very chaotic and it's great. And I have all these, like I have this family that I made this unit and there they are. And like, they're like a body, you know, and like five heads, like a five headed body. Um, and I did that and it took, it took decades of my life uh, to get it to where it is. And, uh, you know, all all the things that I did, like the, the newer, the nourishment, the nutrients I literally gave to that. It's, it's something, it's a huge, um, like a huge accomplishment. And I enjoyed a lot of it. And there was a lot of it that I was just too busy to enjoy. And I was too distracted to enjoy. And I was too just like trying to keep my head above water to enjoy. And I think there's a little magical thinking somewhere in the back of my head that feels like, well, if I were to just have one baby now, it would be all so different. Like Mm -hmm. this would be the time that I Mm -hmm. finally am in a place where I'm more stabilized. I've got more money. Um, this would be the time where I would have the ability, the resources, I'd have a really helpful supportive partner. Like all of those things would all come together in this magical mystical baby. And the thing that's dangerous about that kind of thinking is it's just, it's very flawed Yeah, (laughs) because life still has a way of happening. And it, you know, I still also have five older kids that need care and braces and all of those things too. So there's like, that just doesn't happen, but it's, isn't it lovely to think like that magical thought, like if this was the pregnancy where I could, you know, I really didn't even have to ever work or I could truly take a, like a long maternity leave. And I could really just dig in on the baby months that I feel like sometimes were so scattered when I had also a toddler and a preschooler and an elementary school kid. So it's, it's just fantastical. It's, it's fantastical thinking because it's not true, but it's still there. Well, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of Um, You know, we've gone through this two and a half year pandemic and a lot of our listeners have missed out on or grieved parts of motherhood, their kids, parts of childhood that just didn't go as planned. And there is this tendency to think if I could almost an anger or like a resentment of the way things unfolded. Um, And I think what the challenge is, and I'm not giving advice because I, this is, I am in this, but the challenge is to like kind of retroactively love the mom that was distracted and busy and broke. And um, because that unit you talked about, that five headed Cerberus monster (laughs) is, is the way it is because you were her. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you can't have one. We are the families we are today because of what we've been through. And so that sort of revisionist history, I totally get it. I'm not like, I'm not, I don't know, being critical of your magical thinking, but like, I think the challenge is to include that mom that we were or that pandemic that we went through in, in this family story. It's not the way we wanted it. And it's not the, what we thought was going to happen, but we got what we got because of that. And in a way, like you lose that unit you love if you hadn't been the mom that you were. Yeah. I love that way of looking at it. And, and it's also just a good reminder that no matter how perfect circumstances may seem to be lining up, there's no such thing. And there's, everyone's going to have a challenge. You could have every financial comfort and, you know, uh, helpers at your beck and call, and you could be the perfect age with the perfect relationship and have the perfect baby and something is still going to be imperfect. Um, you will still be distracted and sometimes frazzled and ungrateful and all of those things. And that's just life. That's just humanity. So yeah. Good reminder. 
Well, this was fun, man. I just feel like we've done some like topics lately that have turned kind of um, very heavy and emotional. And this is like the summer. So we were trying to keep it light and breezy, but oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. There you go. <laughs> oh, Please my tune back in for another episode of Megan and Sarah do therapy together. <laughs> I know. And it is really funny. Just again, with the peeking behind the curtain, we have also... Uh, recorded some episodes out of order. So like, I don't know when anyone is listening. That is very true of July actually is like listeners go on vacation. They catch up later. And we do, we did try to pick some topics that it doesn't matter. Like if you are two months behind, but then for us in recording timeline, it's also like, Oh, this is kind of like what we just talked about, but the listeners won't hear that till next month. So anyway, no, this was a great topic. Um, I, it was all credit to you and, um, I love this introspection. So we will link up the episodes we talked about in the show notes and don't forget to send in those listener questions in, uh, in real time. Meaning like whenever you hear this, send a, send a listener question. We'll take a look. Um, it's hello at the momhour.com and we will talk to you all soon. Uh, we don't know when we'll talk to you again because no. we have no idea what's happening. In a few um, days. And, and we're both going on vacation soon. <laughs> so like, I don't know, just look at your podcast Check player your every feed. now and then. <laughs> Check your feed. We'll show up. <laughs> we'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.